Hello and welcome to Connected episode 234. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Smile, Luna Display, and Squarespace. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you are you doing well today as well? I am I am yes. I am fine, yes. I'm good. doing well. Thank Have you. not fallen down a well. It's good. No. He's Why not doing we? that kind of well. Oh, Mike Hurley's here too. Yo, what's up? Took too long. <laughs> I had to jump in. <laughs> uh, we're all here. We all have a, a show document in front of us. We're all recording. It just it feels like it's time to do a podcast. Oh, wait, are we supposed to be recording? Oh, oh wow. no. Well, <laughs> you're Hello. editing this week, so mm-hmm. good luck. Okay. We have some exciting news. Big news. To share with you. Before we had Connected, we had another show called The Prompt, which was basically the show, but with a different name. And, and The Prompt is coming back. Is that the news? Yeah, we're <laughs> rebranding. We're not rebranding. We did it. Uh-huh. If you remember, we did an episode of this show, which was pretending to be The Prompt. And also, if yes. you did ever want to listen to The Prompt, the entire back catalog of that show still exists. It yeah. lives lives on. But don't, but don't do that. <laughs> so we had a t-shirt during The Prompt days. Uh, that said technology should be colorful. And at least for me, it was my favorite piece of merchandise we've ever done. I think y'all agreed with that. Yep. I still wear mine. Yes, uh, I do too. And we have gone into the vault and recovered that artwork. And it is back out for a quick run over on Cotton Bureau. So the first link in the show notes is a link to our Cotton Bureau page where we have this T-shirt in several different colors uh, and you can do stickers that are like three inch by inch and a quarter that say technology should be colorful, colorful. This is something that means a lot to all of us. We believe that technology is best when everyone can use it, when it's accessible to everybody. That's kind of what this shirt means to us. And in that spirit, we are donating a portion of the proceeds to App Camp for Girls, which uh, is a wonderful organization in our community teaching uh girls to code and to develop applications. It's great. We know the people over there and we've been so honored to work with them for years now supporting their cause. And this is another chapter in that story uh, with us and them. So go check this out. You have two weeks from today. We ju- we hit launch on this t-shirt campaign literally right before we picked up the Skype call. Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, you got two weeks, go check it out. Stickers and, too. Uh, and stickers. Yeah. Stickers. Yeah. So the t-shirts, we're doing like the pre-order campaign, but the stickers, we have a limited number of. Two pack of stickers with the technology should be colorful on it. Also, by the way, you can find the link in our show notes, but you can also go to connectedmerch.com, which is a domain that I just purchased. So <laughs> should be working by the time this episode goes up. Uh, so there you go. Connectedmerch.com for that merch.com. I'm all into domain names when it comes Mm -hmm. to merchandising, as you all know. Uh, This t-shirt is amazing. It's now in three colors. It used to only be in black. Um, It's in black and gray and an indigo blue. Uh, Men's and women's shirt sizes, uh, which we're very happy to do with Cotton Bureau. Um, Please go buy it because if you miss it, we may never do it again. Um, It's been like five years since we did it last time. So, (laughs) you know... But uh, I think that this T-shirt is incredible and has a great message and it looks really cool and it's got the, uh, what is it, Chicago font. Um, so very, very cool. So go get it, go get mm-hmm. it, go get it. Yes. Uh, so we have a little bit of follow-out 
just things that we've done elsewhere that we just wanted to share with everybody. Uh, the first, I finally got around to doing a video on my YouTube channel that I've wanted to do basically for three years since I started the channel. Uh, a little bit about the history of the dog cow, which I've written a lot about. I have it tattooed in my right ankle, which comes up in the video. But sort of like this weird, quirky little chapter of Apple history that has nothing to do with you know, beige computers or translucent IMAX, just sort of like a fun, feel-good story. And look, we all need a fun, feel-good story. So I think you would enjoy that video if you haven't seen it already. I think it's probably your best YouTube video so far. I learned I how to uh, move things on the screen. There's a little, a little, couple little Easter eggs and stuff here and there. That feels like a rite of passage to do that kind of stuff. I had to use motion for something, so that was... Uh, that was a real, a real fun time. It's like I opened this this program. Like I don't know what any of this does, but I worked my way through it to do what I needed to do. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really proud of it. Usually, by the time I upload a video, I'm really kind of like frustrated. It's like a very frustrating experience. I like doing them, but sometimes I end up wanting to pull my hair out because I can't do what I want to do because I'm still learning. And this video, like it came out exactly how I wanted. I'm I'm really happy with it. Yeah, you should be. It's very good. Thank you. We also have Federico's return to Evernote. So this is something we've talked a little bit about on the show. And uh, Federico, you wrote this article uh, a couple of weeks ago originally for uh, the Club Mac Stories members. So if yeah. you're a Club Mac Stories member, which you should be, it's $5 a month and you get lots of extra awesome content for the Mac Stories team, including me. For some reason, you let me write your newsletter once a month. I'm yes. not sure if you've forgotten that somehow but i'm still there federico sometimes lets me write things but it's all in white text so yeah you have to <laughs> you highlight have to... the text of, of <laughs> every club mac stories newsletter uh and sometimes <laughs> you get a little message from me you have to like rub lemon juice on the email yeah, for it to come through like invisible link yeah uh but this was originally a mac stories weekly article but you've published it on the site now and you kind of go through your Transition back to Evernote, and I think really importantly, some suggestions of how mm. it can be better, because there are definitely places it seems like they still have improvements to make. But I was really encouraged to read this, because uh, like the rest of us, I used Evernote for a long time, and I, I've been in Apple Notes for a while, and I like Apple Notes, but I'm glad that Evernote is still around, mm -hmm. still you know making a good product, it seems like. Yeah, you know, the, um, one of the problems with writing these stories is that people, I think they tend to look at me and uh, expect some kind of um, declaration of intent. Like, mm. I hereby announce that I'm using Evernote as my note-taking <laughs> app. You read it from a scroll? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you get those tweets, like every time I share, I cannot share screenshots of my home screens anymore because... Uh, if people see an icon on my home screen, they go like, oh, I thought you were using Bear as right. the note-taking. And it's like, I wrote about Bear two years ago because maybe, the, you know, these readers who discovered one of my articles two days ago, but that article is actually from yeah. a couple of years ago. Oh, people and just so, don't keep in close track, right? Yeah, and also it's part of my job is um, constantly trying new things mm -hmm. and reviewing those things on the merits of the version that I'm evaluating. Um, I try not to get stuck using something uh, because otherwise my job would suffer. Um, but also there are apps that I keep using for a long time. And so it's a balance of mm -hmm. 
there are apps that I'm that I've been using for 10 years almost and there are other apps that I switch back and forth just to understand how they're doing and never notice part of this process but um I don't know if I will be using Evernote by the end of 2019. Um, right now, I moved everything back to Evernote, and I'm using Apple Notes just for the collaboration features. But will it last? Will it stick? Um, I don't know, because I there's a lot of things about Evernote that we talked about this with Mike um, that still drive me crazy in how they deal with the iOS version um, mm-hmm. compared to the Mac. So they have a new CEO, and in January they made a promise about um, increasing and improving the consistency between versions of Evernote. So uh, we'll see if they can keep up with that promise. We'll see how it goes. Um, right now, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm officially <laughs> announcing my switch to Evernote. It's more of a... <laughs> more of an experiment it's just an experiment so bear with me as i experiment in public it's cool to hear about this permanent experiment that you're doing that's what i heard anyway i mean i don't know if i would have gone so far as the evernote tattoo but i mean it's it's your life man it's your life sure sure okay yeah it's great i I, uh so mike you spoke about this how you are using evernote for one particular project that you're working on and I've actually, I've realized this week that I sort of have the same need where I have over the last, you know, 222 years written a lot of Apple history articles and done a lot of stuff in that space. And I'm realizing that I'm losing track of what I've written about. And sometimes I have a lot of research about something that never actually makes it into an article. And that stuff right now is like scattered to the wind across Dropbox folders and some in Apple Notes and a lot just on like the 512, you know, the history of the blog post. And so I'm kind of thinking about looking at Evernote as a way to manage all that research and stuff that I've published, stuff that I'm working on as a way just to have it all in one place. And what did it for me was I was looking back through this article again as you were speaking and the being able to clip you know, stuff from the web. So if hey, I've written about this machine, just pull the whole article into Evernote. So I have it all there. I don't have to worry about, oh, is it in WordPress on 512pixels? Is it in my archive of Mac stories posts? Did I write it for someplace else? So I'm, I think I'm going to look into this for solving this particular problem. I don't know if I'll move all my notes back into it, but it does seem pretty ideally suited for the task at, at hand for me, at least. 2019 is the year of app silos. Is it though? It is now. Yeah. What is that? Okay. Don't worry about it. In the year of Stephen. Yeah. In the year of Stephen. It is the year. It is the year of Stephen. It's it's really not. It's the year of app silos. Yes. So goodbye, (laughs) year of Stephen. We hardly knew you. Goodbye. It was so nice to have you for the time that we had you, but that time is maybe Stephen. You can become an app silo yourself. Yeah. So that will be the year of you still. The year of app Stevens. Wow. That's what I'm gonna go. (laughs) I have. A tiny topic for your consideration, gentlemen. Okay. Okay. I linked to this app the other day. It's been out for a while, and I just came across it thanks to the Simple Beep guys. They have an Apple History podcast. Somehow they let me in their Slack. Um, it's like the two of them and then me. I don't know why I'm still in there. They That's kind of hilarious. They haven't found a cut me, <laughs> found a way to remove me yet. Uh, but they were talking about it. It's an iPad app called Banana Paint. There's a link in the show notes. And this developer basically rebuilt Mac Paint, which is like this really ancient application for the first Macintosh, rebuilt it for the iPad with like Apple Pencil support. It supports the screen resolutions. 
It even supports saving and opening original MacPaint documents. So if you have original documents in this format on a floppy disk and you can get them onto your iPad, this app says it can open them. That is incredible. Yeah, uh, you know, the iPad Pro very famously has a floppy um, disk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> jam it in there. a USB-C floppy drive. It's no problem. You can get those. Mike, remember WWDC when somebody gave us that floppy... Is it called a disk or a drive? I don't know. Disc. But basically... I don't know what it was, and we were holding that strange artifact. That was like the, like that was an actual big floppy disk, which were floppy, yeah. not hard plastic. Like the three point yeah. five, is it three point five inch floppies? They were hard plastic, right? Yes, yes. And the other yes. ones were big, not non plastic. Yeah. The five, the five and a quarter, and like the eight and a quarter were were big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this app. Uh, <laughs> it's, I opened it. and I was like, wow, this is this it's is incredible. Like the deep, the details are so good. Uh, it it interoperates with like the photo picker. So like, there's an example on my link in Five Twelve Pixels where I brought a picture of myself in and made a little piece of art. I guess it's not really art, but uh, if you're looking for some nostalgia on your iPad, this is a pretty good way to do it. And the developer says that they are working on versions of MacWrite and MacDraw as well. And MacWrite on the iPad, I'm just gonna say it. It could be the text editor to beat. You know, I know now the editorial is, you know, sort of maybe not around anymore. Maybe we all move to this. That would definitely be a distraction-free writing environment. Like, do you, <laughs> do you get distracted by colors? Well, yeah. they won't be there. <laughs> so you'll be fine. So, yeah, uh, I do have some questions about how this made it through App Review. My assumption is the App Reviewer is a 22-year-old who has never seen original Macintosh software. So they just I let it go. I have but. never seen a iPad app with... Uh, an open and save window yeah in it which this app has uh it's just a little window pops up and you've got open to save dialog boxes and when you save something it saves it to a folder on the on my ipad uh thing and in in files right mm-hmm. like that's where it saves it into a little di- directory so yeah it is very fun to play with and is definitely worth the money what does it cost it's not much right it is one ninety nine at the moment for a limited time. Yep. It says on their website one ninety nine. It's so worth it, it. was I think four ninety nine, and then maybe some prominent Apple history blogger linked to them, and they're on sale now. Yeah, that would make mm-hmm. sense. This is worth buying just for the fun of it. Like, <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah, Stephen told me about it, and I downloaded it, and we were both on the call together, freaking out. I just realized why it's called Banana Paint because they couldn't use Apple. That's so, right. Oh, damn. there you go. I'm- I'm very clever. I hadn't worked that. I, I, the whole time I have been wondering <laughs> why. <laughs> Me too. Why is it called banana? Why is it called paint? banana? Yeah. Yeah. There's a banana emoji, maybe. I don't know. But there's a yellow banana in the top left mm-hmm. corner of the screen where the apple should be. So that oh. even of itself is a little bit retro. There are some Apple II clones floating around back in the day. They're still around. Uh, called Bananas. So it's people who were basically ripping off the Apple II and they named it the Banana Computer. So even that is a joke. I, everything about this I love completely. What I like is that specific fruit word. The three of us say it incredibly differently. Um, okay, let's all compare. So so Mike and then Federico and then me. Oh, God. Banana. Banana? Banana. So there is a gradient scale of the A's. Where, mm. like, from between me to Stephen, it's quite interesting to hear, I think. Like, 
the, the the gradient of A really goes through the three of us. So there you go. This, this is the this, you can only get this unconnected. You can't get this anywhere else. We are rebranding as a linguistic podcast. The banana show. So, <laughs> yes. From yes. Banana FM. <laughs> banana. Okay. Banana. All right. So we have a lot to talk about. It's been a very busy. We actually have a bunch of really serious topics to get to today. It's. This was one of those weeks that on Monday I was like, oh, what are we going to talk about on the show? And then we were rewriting the outline this morning. Yeah. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. You might think to yourself, I've got this fancy computer and this fancy computer can copy and paste. Copy and paste is a terrible way to keep track of things that you need to type again and again. It's error prone. You copy something else. You've overwritten it. Text Expander solves this problem. It makes us all more productive by taking care of all those words and phrases that we use all the time because you can store frequently used phrases into snippets. So instead of typing out this long thing that you have to send every time, you can just fire off a couple keystrokes and then Text Expander autofills it to make it the same every single time. And it works in all your apps. So you can use it everywhere. Pages, Microsoft Word and Excel, Adobe applications. I know I use it in Google Docs daily. Just anywhere you can put text somewhere on the Mac, Text Expander can fill there. And there is a brand new shiny update in the form of Text Expander 6.5. It has this new visual editor for snippets. I've been playing with this and like cleaning up some old snippets this week. And the way it works is is just phenomenal. You can really see and understand what it's doing easier than ever. And it gives you visual access to fill-in. So uh, dates and date math nested snippets. So you have a snippet and then you fill in a section of it on its own, which is really powerful. All this stuff is way easier to do now. And automation is also easier with JavaScript syntax highlighting. And if you're a Windows user, you get offline editing support plus improved expansion. And don't forget to check out the Text Expander blog. They have industry tips, uh, snippet tricks, and they have a whole collection of snippets you can go download and use uh, use yourself. Text Expander is w- just one of those things. If I don't have it on one of my computers or one of my iOS devices, it just feels broken. I use it so many times a day that it just it has totally ingrained itself in my muscle memory. And that's really high praise coming from a nerd. With this brand new release of version 6.5, now is a great time to try Text Expander. So go over to textexpander.com slash podcast right now for 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast and get 20% off your first year. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. So there's going to be an Apple event on March 25th, as it was foretold. Uh, it's going to be at the Steve Jobs Theater on Apple Park. The invitation is painfully obvious. Um, it says it's showtime is the uh, is is basically what's printed. I, I can't on. wait. The musical Ooh. starring Eddie Q and Phil Schiller is finally opening. They're bringing Forstall back. He's producing. Um, the <laughs> the invitation also included a GIF, you know, of like the countdown film thing, the four three two one with like the radio wipe or whatever it's called. Sorry, film people, but you know what I'm talking about if you see it. Um, Stephen was very excited because they've used uh, it's Showtime before, right? Mm-hmm. On an event, in an invitation. What? Which event was that? It's the first time they showed off what would become Apple TV. At the time, it was called ITV. 
which yep. I'm glad they didn't go with. This was in, uh, I guess, the fall of 2006. People forget the Apple TV sort of lived in the iPhone shadow <laughs> in 2007, but they used its showtime then. Uh, you know, Apple sometimes plays with its history some, but I mean, clearly this is what this is, right? There's mm-hmm. tons of reporting. The name is really obvious. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting that it's that it's here. So clearly the video service is taking center stage. Uh, there was a report from Mark Gurman today kind of confirming that by and large, but also stating news and potentially we, – we haven't actually spoken about this, but apparently Apple is working with uh, Goldman Sachs to create a credit card. Um, the details of that, there are like a million as to what that actually means. I don't even know if I can accurately speculate on what that project would look like. Um, I feel I feel the same way. Although I did chuckle that in his reporting, uh, Gurman says that the credit card project is codenamed Project Cookie, yeah. and for some reason that really cracked me up. I'm not sure why they like where that. They may we'll find out. You know, like it could just be a point system. It could be a literal credit card. That do, like it's really difficult to to try and work out yeah. what that project could look like yet. Um, and there isn't a ton of detail other than the fact that all the previous rumors were basically just saying this is happening. It could mean a bunch of different things. And Apple's going to make some changes to Apple Wallet effectively to to integrate with this, whatever it's going to be. Sure. Yeah, you got to think they'll be hand in hand somehow. Yeah. But this is the by and large uh, of the event itself. Uh, Gurman does also talk about, and this is something that's been spoken about in, in other places before, um, but he's kind of confirming it. Apple will not be launching their service with their own content. Mm. Um, they're going to be launching the service with some deals from some other providers. Uh, what that's going to look like, we don't know yet. But this this has basically been the known way of things for mm. a while. But Apple will be showing off probably some trailers and probably bringing out some of the uh, A-listers that they have for their own original content. It's just like a way to sell the whole prospect of things. Mm. I do have a small complaint about uh, tweets and opinions, hot takes that I've seen on Twitter uh, since the event was confirmed. This is something that I've probably mentioned before and knew Mike as well here and and an upgrade. But the idea of dismissing the fact that Apple is entering the TV show and movie streaming space by saying, oh, this is the same company that made uh, Carpool Karaoke and Planet of the Apps, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, that means nothing. Um, because if you, anybody who's been keeping an eye on what Apple has been building and the how and where they have spent their money in the past couple of years, the talent that they've brought in to manage the new studios that they're uh, you know that that are creating this content for this upcoming service. If you think that the planet of the apps analogy still holds some any value, uh, considering the news that we heard from Hollywood executives and other publications, um, I think you're really misguided here. Uh, it, it's may it may be a funny joke to say, oh, Planet of the Apps, and now they're making a TV show, you know, original TV content. But that really, uh, it, it may as well be two different companies at this point. Mm-hmm. The company that made Planet of the Apps and the company that hired uh, and paid for this uh, original content, uh, they're not the same. But I keep seeing these tweets and I keep seeing these opinions and. 
I fear that we'll keep seeing more, uh, especially during the event, uh, because uh, because reasons, because people like to... I don't know what it is about Apple fans and not liking the idea, but I've seen this sort of this thread of hot takes, not liking the idea that Apple is spending money on original content. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, but my, was... my theory, which people never like to hear, but my theory for not everybody, but for many people, they don't want their computer company to become a different company. Like we, we like Apple making technology. Apple being a media company is like a different company. Um, and also you can ascribe a lot of the things that people are unhappy with right now. Like it's all pushing into the services stuff, right? Like services is driving so much of the company's focus. And what about this thing that I like and that thing that I like? And, you know, it's like um, whenever people wanted the Mac Pro, it's like, oh, why are they spending money doing this? They should put those people on the Mac. Like it's that, right? Like it's that kind of feeling of the focus isn't where that you want it to be. And if something's not right, then you're like, well, the company's focus is scattered. So the yeah. idea of now becoming a content production company only stretches that focus more. So I think it makes people uncomfortable. There should be a Venn diagram for people who idolize Steve Jobs and people who complain about the modern Apple uh, because I feel like some most of these people, they have this vision, this sort of uh, idea of Apple uh, guided by a single person, by you know Steve Jobs at the helm, directing every single choice that Apple makes. And Apple hasn't been that company for a decade, almost at this mm -hmm. point, it could be argued. Uh, I just I just think it's a bit frustrating to see um, these interesting news, th th these events that are happening, and I think it's a transformation of the company being so quickly dismissed as, oh yeah, they, they're making planner of the apps, uh, only it's a service. I, I just don't get Some it. Some of these shows will be bad, but because that's sure. just the way things are going to go. But I think some of them are going to be really good. I have, um, because as in typical upgrade fashion, we're going to be doing a draft next week. So when pulling together a list, I have also pulled together a list of just some of the names that they have attached to projects. Would you like me to just list some of them? Yes. Please. Oprah Winfrey, Steve Corral, Jennifer Aniston, J.J. Abrams, Reese Witherspoon, Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel, Jennifer Garner, Sarah Barrielis, Chris Evans, who is Captain America, Charlie Day, Rob McElhenney, Taika Waititi, who directed... I'm just pulling out the Marvel ones because there's an interesting superhero thing. Uh, Taika Waititi directed... Thor Ragnarok, which is amazing. Jason Momoa, who's Aquaman. Josh Gad, Tristan Bell, Stanley Tucci, Leslie Odom Jr., David Diggs, M. Night Shyamalan, Steven Spielberg, Octavia Spencer, Kumal Nijani, and Kristen Wiig, Emily V. Gordon. That is just some of the names confirmed for projects. I think you made your point. <laughs> yeah, but we would take your point more seriously if you were riding down an escalator while giving it. Hey, uh, hey uh, there he is. <laughs> yeah, your point is well made. With Some of this is going to be bad, right? Like Netflix makes things that don't go anywhere and they cancel them quietly. And yep. like that's part of this business, right? Part of the – like media in, in a way is like speculation, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I think this will work. I think people will like this. But you don't know until it comes out. And I think that those early shows – prove to Apple that, oh, we just can't put like Eddie Q in a director chair and it work out. Like we need yeah. to hire 
like adults to come in and do this. And they've done that and they've spent serious money. I think they're I think they're deadly serious about this content being good. Yeah. It, the people that they hired were Jamie Ehrlich and Zach Van Amberg. They both worked at Sony and were responsible for shows like Breaking Bad. Um, yeah, which was, I mean, fairly popular, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it did okay. So I think basically the reason they have so many shows uh, is because they're hedging the bets, right? Like they know that not all of it's going to be good and they also need to build a thing. This all, they're also buying movies uh, and also the rumor is that they're going to, if you say, like buy some back catalog content to try and fill it out. I'm most intrigued about how they're going to make that work because that doesn't seem likely to me, but it depends who they're going to buy it from and what the money is. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation about this over the next few weeks. Um, if this is of any interest to you, don't listen to Upgrade. We do a, str- uh, a, a, a <laughs> we do a segment called Upstream every single week where we talk about this stuff, and we've been doing it for like over a year. So we have a lot. I mean, because Jason is very clued into this type of stuff, right? With the incomparable. So, and I also just find any kind of like big business dealings somewhat interesting. So there is a lot going on there. There's going to be a lot of celebrities on stage and a lot of TV executives. Oh, oh this is my warning to to connected listeners. This Apple event is not going to be like normal Apple events. It's mm-hmm. going to feel very different. It's probably going to be pretty boring. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember that education event they did last March? Yeah. It's probably going to yeah. feel like that one. And or a combination of when they introduced Apple Music and brought Drake on stage. Um, when I consider it very unlikely that it will see hardware, right? Like it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, and most of the stuff that they announce is probably not going to be out for that for a while. So it's going to be a lot of services stuff. It will be, I think it will be interesting, but set your expectations going in, right? Like, on, only in the Apple community can you get people who are upset that they get surprise appearances by Drake and Lana Del Rey. Like well, everybody you know, else would be ecstatic. It's like <laughs> if Tim Cook see... came on stage at a Drake concert, it probably wouldn't be what those people wanted either. Uh, right? But I mean, get in touch with reality. You're seeing Drake and Lana Del Rey on stage. That's pretty awesome. Like, why would you? you it like is worth it? remembering, though, Federico, that that was a up until that point a very boring WWDC. <laughs> I just feel like it's it's a bit sad that oh no, all Apple events must be about technology and programming. Like, I mean, lighten up a little. It's all I'm saying. It was the WWDC, though. I mean, fine. yeah, that was the wrong that was the wrong venue for that announcement. Uh, but that announcement would have been totally fine as a standalone thing. If, they, if that was in September, no problem, right, to have Drake. Yeah, it was also the WWC that lasted like three hours. It was yeah. the longest one in the books, I think. And so people were just like, you know, peeing in cups and stuff, trying to get out of there. I still think they should lighten up a little and enjoy the moment, but that's just me. Not everyone is as hip as you are. <laughs> I'm not hip. I'm just... I'm just you are. Oh, I'm a man of the people. Yeah, you're a hip, hip person of the people. Um, so... <laughs> We're actually going to do predictions next week with some stakes involved. Yes. Um, so we're going to be picking in true connected style, the way that we pick kind of our yearly predictions thing. So the connected rules that we have to state everything and everything needs to be true that stated no half points. We'll do three picks, two regular picks, one risky pick getting your risky pick wrong, you lose one of your other points, like real serious rules that we have here. But Federico mm-hmm. came up with the idea, which is the reason we're doing this, because it's brilliant. Whoever wins the picks next week mm-hmm. gets to go first at WWDC in the round robin. Yeah, and gets to pick the order 
of gets, the round robin. Oh, yeah. You get to pick the whole order. And yep. that's where the trophies are. These are the official, you could say, WWDC prediction qualifiers. You could say that. That we're doing. I you like that. that. Now, <laughs> that's good. here's the thing, though. How do we decide the round robin order for next week? Oldest first. That's not going to happen. I think we should do a random number generator between now and then. Or we do the winners of WBC last year or the iPhone mm. event or something. Yearly no, picks. I mm. thought about this, but then it was kind of like what predictions well, Federico, count. Yeah. Right. So like, no, but mm. like, do we do WWDC? Do we do September? Do we do the year? Like, so I figured yeah. let's just start with random number okay. generator. Okay. I think that's number. fine. Okay. So uh, one, two, three. Is that what we're thinking? Yeah. We'll each pick a number and then we'll do that. We don't need to do that right now. We can definitely leave that. For... Oh, you want to think about it? No, because I want to pick three. I really like the number Wait, three. that's not how random number generators work. Well, no, but each of us pick a number and then the random number yeah. generator chooses from those numbers. Exactly. Right? We go to like random.org. In, uh, as, as you do and uh, we pick we pick from that way but we'll oh, can I pick later. any number then my number will be 23 well no because then we have to do it as a scale between 1 and 23 and if we all pick one number we can, can you be just waiting. put in three numbers three you... arbitrary numbers I don't know choose... again this is why we shouldn't be doing this right now because <laughs> this point is not exciting for people so we will do a random number generate a drawing between now and then we'll get somebody to adjudicate to make sure that it's all above board yeah I think that should be Jason. Okay, so Jason Snell can can do the random yeah. number generation for us. Okay. Okay. If he will yeah. agree. He has, uh, I don't know if he's agreed to this. I think he has. Okay. I don't think he knows about it until he hears this, but I'm sure he'll be fine. It's not much of an imposition really, but we'll see. No, I mean, you know, it's only going to take a couple of hours probably to tell you <laughs> the results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want real scientific testing yeah. down here. So yeah, I, you know, it's exciting to have an Apple event. I uh, agree with you guys that it's going to be different than even past March events, which have always been sort of strange, right? If you think about the last several years, we had the one in Chicago, which I actually really liked. I liked that they did it in the high school and it was themed and like, I liked that it was cool and different. I didn't watch that one. I was on a plane and- You just, you were on a plane. I just, I know. And just Mike's never on a plane. watched it. What is happening? I just never just decided to never watch it because it didn't really seem like <laughs> it was necessary after the fact. So, I mean, it, it could have been a press release, but they didn't even. Yeah. But, you know, you've had things like the 9.7 inch iPad Pro, the iPhone SE. Like, there have been some like weird March releases, and this is going to be even different from all that because a lot of these reports say there's just going to be no hardware. And, you know, maybe there is and maybe there won't be. We'll let the predictions. Design. speak to that next week mm -hmm. but I, i'm excited to see how apple acts and does its thing in this new context and that'll be interesting to watch yep okay we are going to start a new series here in a second federico has this great idea for a, a connected mini series but first i want to tell you about our second sponsor if that's okay this episode of connected is brought to you by our friends at luna display Having extra screen space while working on your Mac is super useful. It can make tiresome tasks more enjoyable by removing all of that command tab switching frustration. And we have iPads, and iPads have stunning displays. But if you're on your Mac, your iPad's in your backpack or in a different room, and it's not being useful at the moment. Well, Luna Display can make it useful in those situations because it 
turns that second stunning display into a second screen for your Mac with this little tiny bit of hardware. Luna Display provides crystal clear image quality, reliable performance, and wireless flexibility. You just pop the piece of hardware into your Mac and you're good to go. And if you're not somewhere where there's Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi is you know, not accessible to you, you can do it over USB as well. And the great thing about Luna Display is how portable your new setup becomes. So you can be more productive at the office or in the studio or as you travel. It's a super smart way to work with more screen real estate while on the go. Luna acts as a complete extension to your Mac. It's going to support your external keyboard as well as your Apple Pencil and touch interactions. So you can interact with your Mac with just a swipe of a finger. And their all new Liquid Video Engine brings significantly reduced latency and a faster screen refresh rate. So I've been using my Luna display for several months now and I was impressed right away with the quality of the hardware, this little adapter you plug into to your Mac. Sometimes you get these things and you're unsure of the hardware quality. This is a beautiful object and it plugs into the back of my iMac. It's very discreet and small. It's not this big thing hanging off the back. And it gives me all this great functionality in a little piece of hardware I can just stick in my pocket and take with me. Listeners of Connected can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. Just go to lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code CONNECTED at checkout. That's L-U-N-A. D-I-S-P-L-A-Y dot com and promo code CONNECTED at checkout. So don't put it off any longer. Head over there, lunadisplay.com with the promo code CONNECTED for 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So here on CONNECTED, we often talk about apps and we discuss how we would like apps to be better on iOS, especially built-in apps made by Apple. And um, every year before WWDC, we wish for changes to files or to mail or, if you're me, to reminders. And of course, they never happen, but that's a different problem. Um, But I had the idea that while Apple is still making apps, uh, we are, everybody is observing how, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, Apple is becoming a services company and is arguably already is a services company today. It's not becoming one. It's just growing that aspect of the business. But we don't get to discuss actual improvements to services as often as we discuss improvements to apps, to the clients to use those services. And I thought maybe we should actually talk about the the services themselves and discuss how we would like them to be better and to change, uh, not as apps that we use as icons on our home screens, but as actual services that are ever-changing and available on multiple devices. And so I thought maybe uh, if we do this mini-series, we could start today with Apple Music, which is arguably the more popular of all the services that Apple has. And then in the future, we could cover Apple News or Apple TV, whatever it's going to be called. We could talk about the App Store and we could talk about iCloud. And I guess this is all leading up to WWDC, right? We try and knock some of these off before then. Yeah, exactly. So... um, that was my thought, and um, if your guys are okay with it, I would like to start with Apple Music. Yeah. Because it's um, they have, I think, more than 50 million members at this point, and while I don't think listening to music can be reinvented, uh, there, there's just so much you can do about the fact that you're searching for a song or listening to a song, I think the service component and how that package is presented to to customers can be improved. And there's a bunch of different ways that I would like to discuss. The first one that I have in mind, um, something that I was, uh, you know, I've been looking at 
services like Tidal uh, and um, Deezer, for example. These music streaming services that for a while they've been offering a more expensive option. So, you know, Apple being Apple, a uh, services company, they like to grow the revenue. I would be intrigued to see a more expensive tier to listen to high-resolution music on Apple Music. Tidal has Tidal Hi-Fi, and Deezer, I think it's also called Deezer Hi-Fi, but essentially a Hi-Fi uh, version of Apple Music to listen to, uh, well, some people would call them lossless, other people would object to that definition, but the idea is to listen to higher-quality music files when mm-hmm. streaming from Apple Music, and you could, you could ask for double the price, for example. So some context here. Um, Title they just uh, rolled out um, support for MQA streaming. MQA is essentially a package around the FLAC format. Um, that um, that essentially the, the, the MQA company um, it basically argues that it's uh, superior to uh, pristine FLAC files for a variety of reasons. They argue that MQA mm, files, they go through this uh, authorization process from artists. Some people think that it's just fancier DRM, but the fact is title offers um, both um, traditional lossless or high-resolution audio and MQA. And MQA is also becoming popular on Android devices. I think the LG, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but a bunch of LG phones and other Android devices, they support MQA. Um, So it's a thing and people pay for it. And uh, Tidal Hi-Fi has been around for a couple of years. Uh, And as I mentioned, there's also Deezer as a high-resolution version. Uh, and there's also another service that I cannot remember the name because it was a weird name and I'm terrible with names. But anyway, the main point being, let's assume that Apple launches a more expensive, high-resolution uh, audio version of Apple Music that lets you listen to uh, theoretically lossless or studio-quality, uh, high-fidelity versions of uh, songs. Um, how does this tie into revenue for Apple? So obviously the first point would be they make more money because they could ask for $20 instead of $10 a month for Apple Music. But then what happens to the actual listening? You're still going to listen through Beats headphones or um, AirPods or HomePods. Those are not exactly uh, hi-fi devices. So my theory, and for the purpose of also of this section, something that I would like to discuss is Apple is rumored to be working on new over-ear wireless headphones headpods headpods and they're also working on new airpods and of course they also have the home pod so i was wondering um there are two competing standards for um high resolution um, st- um listen um, streaming of music via bluetooth you have apt xhd which is owned by qualcomm and is used on a bunch of android devices and you have uh, LDAC, which is made by Sony and is actually supported by the Sony headphones that I do. Now, by default, uh, iOS devices and the Mac, they use um, SBC or AAC as the codec for uh, wireless audio compression, um, which is good enough. Uh, there's articles about this if you Google for uh, Bluetooth audio codecs, AAC, APTX, HD, and LDAC. Uh, but my theory is... 
I don't see Apple adopting aptxhd.com. No. no way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see Apple adopting LDAC by Sony. No. I do see Apple making a new high-res codec um, as an evolution of AAC built on top of their W series chips. And I could see this new codec being built into the new headphones that they're working on tied into this more expensive tier for Apple Music, and somehow it could retroactively be brought to the HomePod. That would be my working theory, but I don't know. I'm mostly interested in the idea of Apple being able to ask for more money. Uh, and yes, there's a, they already have a, the Apple in the chat room. They're pouring out that Apple already has a high-res wireless codec. It's a ALAC, ALAC. Uh, but I think it would be interesting to see if Apple can maybe launch something new uh, built on top of the new W series chips. Apple lossless is old, right? Like it's a it's a relatively yeah. old codec. So that there yeah. might be something that's better for streaming services today, and especially for streaming services today, and to uh, stream audio to tiny devices like uh, you know AirPods or you know um, headphones and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that was not around ten years ago. Uh, but I'm more in- interested in the idea of Apple asking for more money on the services side, so a more expensive Apple Music tier, and combining that with selling hardware, which is what they're known for. What do you guys think? Let me ask you, did you, when you come up with this idea, did you start with the HeadPods and work backwards? No, I started with the service. Okay, so you started by thinking they should do higher uh, bitrate yeah. streaming. Oh, yeah. that could actually tie into the to the headphones. Yes, that was my process. Uh, I was I started with the with the service side because I was researching title and Deezer iFi, and then I realized Apple already. Uh, you know, for uh, for the iTunes Store, they launched the Mastered for iTunes uh, a few years ago, which is not exactly uh, you know high fidelity or studio quality, but it still shows an intent of offering higher quality music uh, for purchase. And so I thought, what if they brought back that intention of offering high quality music and go beyond you know, the MP3 encoding that they're using now for Apple Music and actually copying what Tidal and Deezer are doing and offering a hi-fi version of Apple Music. And so my, the main idea was asking for more money and making more money off of Apple Music by offering, by offering hi-fi and hi-fi version. And then I thought maybe it could be tied to hardware but the main theory was related to services and making more money from apple music yeah because this is like i I think it was like i don't know if people want this but Hmm. uh the idea of having a higher tier makes sense to me like having a apple music premium tier which includes this and then maybe some like Apple Music Sessions audio, which is mixed in this special way, and you can only get, like, the session album from this artist, right, that they had to come in and record something if you are Apple Music Premium, and it's mixed for HomePod and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, I can imagine it. I just I, I just don't know how many people would want it, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't do it i just i i i am just not sure what the mark like how big a market this is and mm-hmm. but my thinking would be like they did the home pod though right and the home pod is way too expensive compared to its competitors and way 
too heavily focused on listen how good our music is compared to the competitive products, which does fit in with Apple's kind of like history in this arena. So I, you know, so like, you know, you're, I don't know if you, if you just gave me this idea in one sentence, if I would come along with you on this ride, but listening to you explain it and talking about it, it's like, okay, it seems more plausible to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's the idea would be that it's a niche, but it's an expensive niche, and yes. Apple already has higher quality files on iTunes, so why not also put them on Apple Music and charge for them? Um, but yeah, I also see why you know most people don't care about this stuff because they just want to stream mm-hmm. uh, content. But then again, you know, title gets good press every time they uh, roll out improvements to Hi-Fi, and arguably it's become one of the distinctive features about title. Um, so, in any case, uh, the second idea. That I, that I had and um, that I wanted to discuss is new ways for artists to monetize. This is an ugly word, but bear with me. To monetize fans and the community and their audience inside of Apple Music. So um, not a social network. I don't want Apple to make <laughs> any more connect or ping or whatever. Ping to. Not a, no, not a social network. I... I think it would be awesome if, as a fan, I could buy merchandise or I could buy concert tickets or I could uh, get access to exclusive content like acoustic jam sessions or, you know, uh, exclusive concerts like Spotify, for example, as Spotify sessions. Um, To have all of this extra stuff from my favorite artists inside of Apple Music. And of course, Mm -hmm. Apple could take a cut from, from these transactions, but it could enable that kind of direct artist-fan relationship that is otherwise left to Google and discovering uh, the website of your favorite artist or following them on Twitter or Instagram. It's more manual work. Whereas I think it would be nice to have that integrated experience inside of Apple Music to trust Apple with your transaction. So your credit card details would be managed by Apple you could use Apple Pay, uh, which would be perfect to buy physical products and have them shipped to your home. Uh, but the idea of I'm paying for streaming, but actually artists, they make the most money from selling additional stuff to their fans. They sell concert tickets, they sell merchandise, they sell extras. Um, I went, for example, uh, my gir- I bought for my girlfriend last year a VIP concert ticket to see Justin Timberlake as a birthday gift. And you get all that extra stuff as part of the experience. And that is how artists can make money these days by selling you concert tickets with multiple tiers. So you get merchandise, you get posters, you get, you know, all that kind of stuff. And to have all of this into Apple Music in the same, in the same package, the, in the same product that you use to listen to music every day, you would have that complete package of its digital but it's also physical in the sense that you can use Apple Music as a first step to then go to a concert or buy merchandise or download extra um, music from your favorite artist. I think a um, bunch of services tried this before. Uh, Beats Music years ago had something similar in that there were some merchandise links. Spotify has some merchandise sections for some artists. And of course... Um, you know, there's been there's been other um, dedicated utilities to sort of 
automatically scan your music library and um, associate that artist with websites and social profiles, that kind of stuff. But I think if Apple Music could do it, if Apple could do it in a single product with an artist dashboard, and you as a fan would see this sort of store for your favorite artists, I think that would be pretty awesome. I think this makes a ton of sense. And this is what I wanted Apple Music Connect to become. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is starting out with like sort of a weird private Twitter for musicians or something. And then <laughs> it got it got expanded and then it went away. And I have this like funny thing of like finding out about a concert about two days after it happens. And if I yep. could in Apple Music say, hey, I want to get updates from this band and this band and this band, but not these others, and have all that, you know, surface for me in the Apple Music interface, it it what it does is it turns Apple Music from just a music streaming service to like a, a full experience. And you've got to think that is in line with what Apple wants out of this sort of thing, because if they do this you know, surely Spotify and others would would come along as well, but it it does make Apple Music more sticky, and it gives. If it were to take off, it would give artists a reason to hang around, right? Like with with Connect, that w- what what upside was there? Why would they share just an Apple Music where they could just tweet about it or put it on Instagram or someplace else? But if you enabled all of these layers, like you're talking about, it becomes this sort of world in which artists and their fans can uh, stay connected. And I think that's, I think that'd be really cool. Like I, I, I would love this. And my final idea is uh, more of a frustration that I have right now with Apple music that I would like to see done better because there's so much more potential. Um, I would like the Apple music service to reorganize its um, editorial and curated sections and content that they make. So I don't know if you noticed, but in recent months, Apple started uh, featuring, publishing these mini interviews with artists whenever they release a new album. Um, You've probably seen this. They are like Q&A segments. Where? (laughs) They are uh, available only in the description field of an album. So... If you go to an album, you see a string of text, and if you tap uh, view more, it expands into this long page of questions and answers. And it's like, I can see how you had the right idea. It's awesome. You have interviews where an artist can go into more detail about each track or the theme behind an album. I found one where it's just like a description of every song on the album. Okay. Yes. I'll put a link in the show notes to this specific album that I found, just as an example, in case you've never seen it. And it's available as a block of rich text in the description of an album. And Apple has been doing this for months, for a lot of albums, and for a lot of different sections of Apple Music. Um, and it's mostly a hack, really. You're using the description field to embed this curated content that somebody worked on in your editorial team. And I think all of this should be formatted more nicely, should be embedded not in the description field of an album, but should be its own section in the album page or the artist page. And you can go beyond this stuff. Uh, Again, I don't know if you know, but Beats 1 is still going on. And what drives me crazy is that 
not only is Beats 1 as undiscoverable as it was uh, four years ago at this point, but there's still not a good way to view a daily schedule in on the iPhone and to program your listening to say, I want to be notified when this show is on the air. There's still not a calendar view. But what's even worse is that on Beats 1, they do these really good interviews with artists and uh, these listening sessions where they go into more detail about a new release. And all of this stuff is basically non-discoverable in Apple Music unless you know where, you, where you're looking. And it's usually not part of the artist page or the mm-hmm. album page. Everything needs to be restructured and linked together and it needs to be linkable by people. I need to be able to copy a link and share it and somebody else who uh, clicks on this link needs to be able to go to a web page if they don't have Apple Music installed and see this content on the web as a preview. It's not hard to do. Uh, people figured out you know, the World Wide Web 30 years ago and Apple has these hacks upon hacks of using rich text for interviews in the description field of an album and not linking to their own interviews and forcing you to follow them on Twitter to know that um, Zane Lowe interviewed churches last week. Like, I'm I'm supposed to be finding out about this in Apple Music, not mm-hmm. on Twitter. I will say the one good part about this messy situation is this is the music editorial team inside of Apple pushing things past what they technically should be allowed to yes. do. Right, yes. which is, that is like a... A beneficial thing because that is that team kind of forcing the like the development teams to try and potentially add stuff for them they're just like well this is all we've got so we'll just work within it right like we want to interview the falls so we're just gonna throw it into the description of the album and that's where it will live and we want to do it so we've done it so like at least there is that to this right where it's like okay it is definitely showing the issues with the platform but at least these people are going out there and, and adding in as much interesting content as they can, even though it's in a weird way. Yeah. And also yeah. on Beats 1, or, or like the, the radio stuff, I don't listen to it anymore. I don't know anybody that does, but Nicki Minaj has a show called Queen Radio, which is very buzzy from time to time. Like she'll, she'll, uh, she's in, if she's ever in some kind of feud with somebody... It will always usually find Cardi its way. B. Yeah, it will usually find its Am way right to Queen Steven? Radio. I've seen it trending many times on Twitter. So, like, yeah. people are listening to it. It's just maybe not the people that were listening to it at, at first, maybe. Yeah, so those are the three areas of improvements that I thought of for Apple Music. Um, mm-hmm. There's also some stuff about the app itself that I would like to mention. Yeah, because there's one of the features that you have about the app uh, ties into the editorial content. So like, I, I, I want to wait to talk about that a little bit more when we get to that part. Sure. Steven, you also had some um, wishes slash uh, recommendations here or things you would like to see. Yeah, the, the biggest thing for me in the Apple Music app is easier management of streaming versus downloaded content. Like if you want your whole library or you want large chunks of your library, the easiest way to do that is to have a playlist and then download everything on the playlist. But sometimes I'm still surprised even after using Apple Music for a couple of years of, oh, I thought this was downloaded 
and you know maybe it wasn't or, or maybe I missed it somehow and you know, maybe there's a way where hey you listen to this album you know 10 times this week like it, it is in your heavy rotation maybe give me a suggestion or maybe if I have room, just download it for me. If I have enough space on my device, like some smarter ways to handle that. So you don't end up in the situation where you're on a plane and you want that album you've been listening to all week and you realize that it's not downloaded. Now, if you're that cool guy, this is one of the worst parts about getting a new iPhone. Yes. Yeah. You got, you got to redownload it all. Maybe you're that cool guy on the American airlines, you know, Apple PR page. And then, you know, if you're that guy, all smug and satisfied, you have your music. But the rest of us are kind of stuck scrambling sometimes. And I think I would just like to see better management tools around that. And uh, I think secondarily is like the iPad app could use some love. Like <laughs> some some parts of the UI on the iPad app are a little strange. And then lastly, just why is Apple Music still chained to iTunes on the desktop? Like just set it free. Just set it free, Apple. Put it in a a new shiny application. Let iTunes be iTunes and let Apple Music oh, live its they, new life. They will. That will be Marzipan. 100% mm. it will be. Mm-hmm. That's when your breakup of iTunes begins, but just not yet. Mm. Soon, but not yet. Mm. Um, before I get to the to the feature that Mike asked about, I have a bunch of smaller improvements that I want to run through real quickly. Okay, in Apple Music on iOS, create smart playlists. This feature is still exclusive to iTunes on the Mac. A new way to sort your playlists, so to or to separate visually playlists that you created, shared playlists that you're subscribed to, and playlists made by Apple Music. The ability it to collaborate... It annoys me that my playlists get put down at the bottom. Yes. Why does that yes. happen? Why can't they be alphabetically sorted? I have a playlist called The Adventure Zone, and it's at the bottom of my playlist screen. And that's mm-hmm. the one I listen to the most. So I'm like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. The ability to collaborate with other people on playlists. Uh, Spotify has had this feature for ages. Um, the ability to customize the For You section. I still cannot say, no, I'm not interested in trending songs or I want to see this section at the top, not, the, not at the very bottom. Um, make it easier to browse genres. Um, if you want to see what's new in the alternative genre, it still takes you so many tabs. Uh, you need to open browse, you need to tap on, uh, you need to open the list of other sections and eventually find your genre. There should be ways to customize the app and say, I want to have a shortcut to this specific page and make it easier for me to find what's new. Uh, again, schedule for Beats one. Uh, why is there no built-in calendar view in Apple Music to see the various programs and interviews and live shows that are airing on Beats one? I don't know. Um, make the app feel faster. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Apple Music, a bunch of the transitions, they're too slow. Like you, when you want to open the now playing screen, mm-hmm. it's like the way that it slides up and other menus, they feel a bit too slow and they could be... They could feel a bit faster because the app can, I don't know, but I feel like there's a Spotify is a bit more responsive. I um, still wish I didn't have to scroll up to get to shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, new tools to train the app better, like to say, mute this artist. I never want to see new releases from this artist. Or I just want to be able to tell the app that I'm not interested in classical music or hip-hop for example i have a funny thing with my um 
like my favorites list, you know, like the favorite playlist or whatever yeah. it's called. My favorites mix. My favorites mix. So I did a series on uh, a show that I used to do called Inquisitive, where I asked people their favorite album. There are still some songs that I that I listen to one time that come up yeah. in my favorites mix. Now, why does that happen? Like <laughs> the only time outside of the first time that I ever listened to those is the two seconds of like the song from Pavement from a like which was Brad Dowdy's favorite band that I didn't like, or from the Sweeney Todd. Uh, musical uh, soundtrack, which was great, but I never typically want to listen to like a random musical track in the middle of a playlist of other songs. I and they keep coming up, like they're still happening. And I only ever listened to those albums once, and the only other times that they come up is when it's in this playlist. And I don't really know why that keeps happening to me. I could, it's actually in there right now. A song by Pavement called Summer Babe. Now, I do not like that Pavement <laughs> album. I only ever listened to it once. So why does it happen? That's, it's definitely not a favorite. Well, there should be features to train Apple Music and to manually say, remove this, or I never mm-hmm. want to see this again, or just I want to teach the algorithm or whatever how to do its job, mm-hmm. because evidently sometimes it does not do that job very well. So my final feature uh, request slash idea would be integrating Apple News inside Apple Music. So I know that everybody likes to make fun of it, but Stocks, the Stocks app, is one of the most interesting updates in iOS 12. And not just because it's on the iPad and it's also being Marzipans and it's on the Mac, but because Apple is is using Apple News as a provider of content for stocks. If you open stocks and you open the ticker view of one of your favorite stocks, be it Apple or Tesla or Google, whatever, you will find, if you are in a country where Apple News is supported, you will find the business news section that provides you with headlines and various types of news and, and, and articles about the company that you're following in stocks. So the idea would be all of this is automatic. Um, the app knows how to integrate with Apple News and it knows how to associate um, Apple headlines with the AAPL uh, symbol in stocks. So I thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could find reviews and interviews and articles about my favorite artists in Apple New- in Apple Music, but those are powered by Apple News. I already have both pieces on my device. I have Apple News, where I have music sources that I follow. Uh, in theory, Siri and Apple News know that I'm into churches or um, what's a band that I'm into? Uh, Set It Off. It's a punk rock band that I'm listening to lately. Um, and I'm using Apple Music. And it knows that I'm listening to those bands. And so the same system that associates business news and stocks could be used, I think, in Apple Music to have entertainment news and headlines. Because I think it would be nice when I'm listening to an album to also be able to find a review for that album powered by Apple News. So the idea of... And again, I think I mentioned this before on Connected, but it could also be applied very easily to entertainment and to TV shows if Apple ever launches. 
you know, uh, a, a rebranded TV app. It could be nice to have news about actors and production of future seasons, all of that kind of content, uh, you know, episode discussions available in Apple TV, the app, um, but powered by Apple News. Um, it would be very sad if Apple has developed this integration between stocks and Apple News, but it's only limited to business. I think there's uh, so much potential for entertainment. Uh, so music and TV shows and movies, they could all be part of this system. And again, not a new idea. Other companies tried this before. Um, I want to pour one out for Record Bird, which was a music discovery was tool a that absolutely nailed this. Before. That was the app that could tell you if a band that you liked was playing a concert. That's what could I liked you, it for. Could tell you concerts, could, could give you news, album reviews, could give you YouTube videos for bands scanned from your Apple Music library. And it would tell so, you like, oh, here's uh, an album coming out for a band that you like. That yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. So, the idea of uh, Apple, Muse, Apple News as a provider of content for other Apple services, I think that would be interesting. I think that those improvements that they made to Stocks were pretty great if you use it, right? Like if Stocks is an app that you like to use, you now have one place to get the figures and the news that corroborates with the figures. Like why are the figures like that? Well, here's the news stories, right? Like I understand how you could make that app that way right like it makes a lot of sense um i would love to see that come to music it, it makes sense if apple's going to try and beef up their news stuff in general right which we should probably hear about uh in the next couple of weeks so i would like to see that i think that would make i think it'd be great anything else feel like we've fixed apple music yeah just uh, now just apple just needs to listen to everything we said and uh <laughs> uh, implement feature by feature by yes. June. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just plenty of time. Yeah, that's easy. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea, and you can have it hosted at a unique domain name using award-winning templates and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you have a portfolio you want to show off, or maybe you want to be like Federico and become a blogger. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. There's no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about becoming some sort of web admin because Squarespace has got all that stuff covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Their system allows you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Just this past weekend, I helped a friend of mine. He has a new business he's starting up, and he just needed a pretty you know, basic website, just some contact information, a little bit about what they're doing, just to get things started. So we sat down, we put a Squarespace site together, and now it is in his hands. And as his company grows and he hopefully hires people and does more, he can add to that site over time really easily. And it's it's something that he can do. He's not a web nerd. He's just a guy with an idea. And Squarespace is giving him the tools to put it out into the world. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected 
to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, so Spotify's super mad at Apple and uh, did two things today. They published, uh, their CEO, Daniel Elk, published um, a blog post slash letter, and they also created a standalone website, effectively detailing their longstanding issue with Apple. So I want to read a quote. Um, from Daniel Elk. Uh, oh, the other thing they're doing, which is probably more important, Spotify is taking Apple to the European Commission for claims of anti-competitive behavior. That's probably the De- most important thing. Definitely yes. the most important I think part I buried of this. the lead. Oh, they made a nice website <laughs> and it has a video on it. Um, Daniel Elk, CEO of Spotify, said in his letter announcing the kind of uh, uh, anti-competitive behavior case, In recent years, Apple has introduced rules to the App Store that purposely limit choice and stifle innovation at the expense of the user experience, essentially acting as both a player and referee to deliberately disadvantage other app developers. After trying unsuccessfully to resolve the issues directly with Apple, we're now requesting that the European Commission take action to ensure fair competition. In a nutshell, what Spotify is saying is the 30% cut became really unfair for them when Apple introduced a music service that was the same price because Apple take 30% from Spotify but don't themselves. So Spotify had to put their price up um, when they sold it in the App Store to try and counteract that, but that made it way too expensive compared to Apple Music. Uh, Spotify are fed up of not being able to use their own payment system and not being able to direct their users somewhere else. They want the same treatment that companies who sell physical goods get. Um, And they also built this consumer-facing website called timetoplayfair.com where they've included a timeline of all of the issues that they feel they've had with Apple that also includes talking about like restrictions to Siri and at the Apple Watch apps and HomePod that they want to be able to be kind of first party there, but can't be, and they've asked for it. The website, the Time to Play Fair website, takes, I think, some liberties in places, um, like they're being, I don't know, I don't know about all of their claims, right? But I don't disagree with their main points, right? Like, I look at that, and it's like, I find it hard to argue with the complaint of this, the price thing. Right, The price thing is the biggest thing here, where Apple take 30% from Spotify, but price their service the same. And I see that, and it's like, well, I think you'd find it hard to argue the point of them, Apple not trying to stick it to Spotify here. Like, I think you would struggle to make the argument that they're being fair to Spotify, like, and you know because then there's also this idea of like not only that that they weren't even allowed to link out to spotify's website so people can sign up you can't even mention that tier that like payment systems ever exist or premium plans ever exist in your application um so clearly spotify and apple have been on it for a long time and uh, irrespective of what Spotify has said about this because they said that the, the reason they've done it this week just because they have done it this week but 
I think it's incredibly clever that this has happened just before Apple streaming services event because this is now going to be front of mind for other companies Apple might want to work with. So there's a lot of stuff in here, as I say. I think some some um, some of the points have some merit. Some of them uh, uh, seem to just be enforcing another point. Uh, obviously, it's Apple's App Store. Apple can do what they want in their App Store, but mm. let's 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 remove Monopoly from this conversation. Monopoly mm. is not. I don't really know if that's what is going on here, nor I think is that really what Spotify is saying. It is anti-competitive, which is a different thing, right? Like on iOS, Apple's the only iOS platform vendor, and Spotify want to be on iOS. Spotify's customers want them to be on iOS. But Apple is making it difficult for Spotify to operate in a way that they deem fair. So that's kind of where we are with it. Have I have I done a decent enough job of summing this up? It is a very complex issue. Yeah, yeah, I think you did, and I come at this from from a simple perspective of let's just ask ourselves a simple question: Is what's good for Apple? also good for consumers. And I think that should be the lens through which every company operates. Um, is what's good for me also good for the people who give us money? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I would urge everybody who has you know, a political position in this debate to just think about this. Um, do you think it's fair that Apple... Um, forces these companies to operate with these margins when, and this is an objective truth, um, Spotify is paying 30% or for subscriptions that last over 12 months, 15%. Essentially, they're paying this for distribution of their app binary and for payment processing because, you know, I see the argument that people often say, well, you give 30% to Apple, but Apple takes care of promotion and marketing for you. And we're talking here about a company that is on the constant fear of rejection, that I've never ever seen marketing or any kind of editorial or promotional push for Spotify made by Apple. Spotify is paying for access, essentially, to the App Store. And I'm a believer in... In, in open markets, in the idea that competition is good for companies and is good for consumers. And I, I don't think this is fair competition. Yes, it is Apple's App Store and Apple's iPhone, and if they want to lock it down, so they should try to do so. I bet they will lose their customers <laughs> if they try to lock down the App Store just to prove a point. But the point is not what Apple can do. The point is what should what should Apple do? What is the fair and the right thing to do from a competitive perspective and if you think that killing the competition and making money off of services by making life difficult for other companies is fair then maybe you have, we have a different definition of fair competition i guess that would be the problem even like taking what you're saying about what's good for consumers to the, to the next level if you are a spotify user why should you not be able to use spotify the way that you might want to use it on the iPhone. Why? Do you, why? Because you want to use Spotify. Is it more difficult for you on the mm-hmm. iPhone? Especially when the idea of payments via non-Apple in-app purchase systems does exist, right? 
So like mm-hmm. Spotify bring this up as like they're trying to compare themselves to they use Deliveroo and Uber. Deliveroo is like Postmates in the UK. And I know and like we all know the rules are different, right? That if you're selling a physical good, you can use your own payment system, right? But why is that though? Like, I think this is the point that Spotify are getting at. We all know that's the rule. So, like, comparing it doesn't work the same. Like, because Spotify is trying to make it like, oh, they're punishing just us by doing this, right? That's the kind of point that they're trying to, like, make you feel. But, like, take that point away from it. Why is it okay for Amazon.com to sell physical goods using their own payment system, but Kindle Books can't? Like, why is that fine? Well, <laughs> well the easy answer is uh, Apple sells books. <laughs> they don't sell right. paper towels. Exactly. But isn't that a problem? That's Well, that's what the problem is. And when you get into this ground of Apple is in the market, you know, in a market and it controls the App Store, the market resides within – like without the app store on the iPhone, there there's no music streaming on the iPhone, right? Like it's it all lives within that framework. And so far, where where we've seen these things cross, I think Apple is is over the line. And yes, I, I you know I think Spotify is making this uh, this big flashy argument. I think it's super interesting they're making the argument legally to the EU at the same time where they mm-hmm. are in just an all out PR like blitz to consumers you clearly they want the public to be on their side which is really interesting you know most people (laughs) when the ebook scandal went down a few years ago you asked the average person they had no idea what you were talking about but maybe this is enough to get this into the like the general you know consumers conversation but uh, i i gotta agree with spotify here that apple using its power over the app store to benefit apple music unfairly and then you add on things like siri does not work with third-party streaming providers any audio streaming providers really it 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 builds a case i think pretty clearly that apple is is playing on uneven territory when it comes to apple music so like then we go back to this question again like is that okay for them to do that yeah. Uh, right. I would say and no, but I'm not a judge. There are different schools of thought on it, right? Like there, there are. There are different schools of thought on it. Personally, I feel like I should be able to make the decision myself, right? Like I feel like that that is the decision that I should be allowed to make if the App Store is an open enough platform. Like I feel like if Spotify is allowed to be on the App Store then I should also be able to sign up for Spotify on the App Store. Like, this this weird abstraction of payment is strange to me. It's like, mm-hmm. it's either one or the other, right? Like, if everything was done through Apple's system, and it was all done through my App Store account, then fine. But it's not, because there are some services I can do this, some services I can do that, and that's about customer experience, right? I can't even imagine the support that is required for the Kindle app on iOS. Like the yep. support cost to Amazon, I can't even imagine the amount of money they have had to spend. <laughs> I wonder if even at this point, the money that they have spent in dealing with the support 
of that is worth right like the the the, the cut to apple but nevertheless <laughs> it is we i think we are 100% at a point now where apple's cut needs to be reconsidered yes we i think that we are 100% at that point because there definitely was a case for 30% back in the day i think that case has changed and it changes especially when apple gets into a market where there's already a player like i'm sure some time ago apple were doing a lot to promote spotify in the app store right and that maybe at that point it was worth it there was a point where spotify was doing all of what apple asked them to do right because it was probably worth it but then as time went on I think Apple probably wanted to promote them less. And I feel like if you are starting to make those decisions, that maybe that's where things start to get a little awkward. Right? Like conversations start happening inside of a company, which they will definitely have of like, what type of promotion do we give to Spotify anymore? At that point, you were in a, a bit of a bind about mm-hmm. what's the moral and legal way of dealing with this. Um, and I just think that at the point we're at right now, I would like to see Apple state why 30% is okay now. I would like to see them state the argument again um, to show me why. Because if they can show me why, then fine. But I I just feel like that maybe that, that argument isn't as clear anymore. I've seen some people say, and this is uh, something that really doesn't make sense to me, that 30% is because you're paying for a company that cares about your privacy. And no. let alone the fact that I don't see how the privacy argument relates to operating the App Store. People are just conflating whose privacy they like. It's not uh, Spotify's privacy, and I'm not paying the 30%. Like, that is, doesn't make any sense at all. Let right? alone the fact that you're conflating two different topics. Yeah. Uh, but let me ask you this, uh, assuming that your point is true. Um, if I'm paying for privacy, but I get an inferior Spotify experience because I'm paying more and because I cannot use Spotify with Siri or with the HomePod or with the Apple Watch, um, I get frustrated and eventually I say, you know what, I'm just going to use an Amazon Echo and an Android device where I can use Spotify as my default music service and I don't get any of these limitations. How is that better for privacy if I switch phones, if I switch platforms Mm -hmm. and I have to use something else where the gatekeeper does not necessarily care about my privacy as much as you believe that Apple does. So that argument doesn't hold any ground. It doesn't make any sense. Um, It's something that I've, you know... Uh, I I have discovered today that having this kind of opinion on Twitter uh, gets you about 100 replies Mm -hmm. from (laughs) people who strongly defend Apple, and that is fine. It's part of using Twitter. Uh, But, you know, the privacy angle, I really didn't understand. I also just want to state, right, like Spotify is not a perfect company, and they are working in an industry that is really sticking it to the other end, right? Like, streaming music services probably apple included like artists are not making the money that they should be making anymore from these services but i don't really think specifically that our argument and our point here is oh poor spotify the company 
for this. Like, my whole feeling on this is when I look at Spotify's arguments and I think about what I think is ultimately fair for users and creating the right experience, I think that this 30% cut and the rules around all of what Apple takes and what they let you do and don't do isn't ultimately the right thing for users. Whilst at the same time, I look at it and I was like, well, if I was that company, I think I would be frustrated at the very strange application of different rules. But it's not like none of us are here being like, oh, we feel so sad for <laughs> Spotify Incorporated, no. right? No. It's not that. It's like they are making good points, right? Where it's yes. like, okay, I see your point here. Let's follow that thread and see where it takes us, right? So, like, I think it's important to state. Absolutely. And also something that annoys me so much is when you people respond to a criticism with, oh, but look at this thing that this company is also doing. Like, saying that, you know, maybe Apple has an anti-competitive behavior, the response should not be, oh, but Spotify does not pay artists. Like, you are mixing issues mm -hmm. and it's important to discuss every issue individually it's like if you have you know i don't have any brothers but i see this you know uh, in young kids for example one kid does something and the parent gets upset and the kid says oh but andrew also did something yeah. bad it's like that that is not the, the problem here that you did something bad and then we're gonna deal with andrew later and you know <laughs> it's, it should be important to separate Andrew's issues trouble, people <laughs> yeah dang it andrew yeah damn andrew uh i just think that i i'm really intrigued to see where this ends up going like the the politics stuff is super difficult and like there's a bunch of stuff going on in the US right now about breaking up all the companies um mm -hmm. and it plays into this right and like I, i don't ultimately feel like i necessarily believe in a strict rule for everything like i feel like things need to be judged kind of a little yes. bit more individually um but i am definitely in the camp of was it I've started listening to the Vergecast again more recently because it's very good. And this comes at Stephen's recommendation because they 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 dive into things like this in a way that I don't really have the knowledge to talk about. But the, the idea, and you talk about it quite a bit on the show, of like we are trending towards five or six huge companies, and like that's all there's going to be. So like clearly, some stuff needs to be looked at, and like just we, I, I feel like somebody responsible needs to be making sure that mm -hmm. things are okay. But part of the problem is uh, every time you ever see any technology discussion in politics, it is discussed by people who have literally no idea what they're talking about. So I don't even know if blame, if like trusting the governments is the right way to go with this. So I don't really know what you do. But anyway, it's not, this is, we're getting into the weeds now. But my point is that like they need this stuff needs to be looked at a little bit more seriously now because all of these large companies are kind of pushing us into their ecosystems in increasing ways and trying to shut everybody else out. And like this idea of um, people are like, oh, you know, this is important for Apple for their services revenue. So they can't make... Like, no one made this decision about services revenue except for Apple themselves. Yeah. And ultimately, yes. it's not that important to the company. It's important to the stock market, 
right? But like, this is a decision that Apple made and they've moved down this path on their own and they are walking themselves through this, right? Like, th- they're trying to like squeeze every cent that they can out of people because then they can show Wall Street that they're growing. Like, and it's mm-hmm. not like you signed up for Apple Music and said, oh, yes, now I am going to support the services revenue yes, of Apple. This, isn't, you know, <laughs> not, this is not a thing. And it's like it's one of my favorite little phrases that I like to bring up every now and then. It's like this is not a naturally occurring thing. This is a thing sure. that Apple decided to do. And now they're in this situation. But this kind of like slow squeezing is going to start alienating companies. But then you end up in this like, I refer to it as like it's like an arms race, like a Cold War, right? Where all of these companies actually need each other, but they don't want to admit it, right? Spotify needs Apple, but Apple needs Spotify. Because if there's no Spotify on iOS, Apple will lose customers. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if Spotify pulls away from iOS, Spotify loses customers. Mm-hmm. And who is more important? This goes back to the conversations we were having about the enterprise certificates, right? Apple can't actually kick Facebook off the platform. But Facebook can't upset Apple that much. But neither of them know what the result is of there being a complete breakdown. So I'm going in like a million different directions, but I think that this Spotify thing is right at the very core of a lot of these right now. Mm -hmm. But Spotify is the first company to stand up to one of the large platform vendors in this way in a while. Yeah. And 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 being in in the EU makes that way more interesting because yes, of the the, because they're the able different to. Yeah, yeah. political and legal climate. Uh, one one thing I don't think we touched on that I just wanted to to bring up before we go is I think there's this idea by some people that oh the thirty percent cut is like really bad for indie developers right like they're all of our friends we know a bunch of them. And it is. I mean, if you're going to make a business on the App Store, you're losing thirty percent off the top. Uh, it's bad, right? Like it, it, that is a that is rough to anyone's revenue. Like, like we own a company. Like <laughs> if I had to pay thirty percent off the top, I would be sad about that. And there are some people I think that have have a little bit of like uh, Stockholm syndrome about that. Of like, oh, well, thirty percent you get. You know, yeah, it'd be great if it were lower, but it's just the cost of doing business. And Mike, you said it perfectly. This didn't just like fall out of the sky. It's not like you know this was the way it was willed from the beginning of the universe. Like Apple made these decisions <laughs> and the decisions clearly need to be reevaluated mm-hmm. over time. And I think Spotify is, is proving that point a little bit. Giving away a percentage of your revenue is not inherently a bad thing, but you have to be comfortable with what you're getting in return. Right. And, and something that you mentioned the Vergecast, something Neil Patel said on the most recent one that I thought was really smart was like, some people view this as like, well, you know, this company can't survive because the app store is 30%. Like no company deserves to live mm-hmm. or die. Like the market decides, consumers decide if a company lives or dies. Now Spotify is in a position where they are effectively renting music to their customers, right? They are paying licensing fees on one end and the other end, they're collecting money from people like you and me. Well, not us, we're Apple music subscribers, but people like my brother, who's a Spotify uh, customer, and he pays them whatever it is a month and he gets the music that he wants. And on the other end, Spotify is, you know, putting pennies in each in each uh, coffee cup for each musician that he listens to. And Spotify is saying that that 30% is too great of a burden for them. Well, that's a, that is a reality in the music streaming 
business and a, a, a reality that Spotify has to contend with. Now, Spotify is choosing to contend with it in this way of fighting Apple over it and avoiding the 30% wherever possible. But I can't help but think that all of that like complicated business stuff just gets boiled away when people get upset about their favorite companies fighting. Mm-hmm. And the reality is this is extremely complicated economic stuff to deal with, right? You're talking about huge companies. And you know what? Maybe the truth is music streaming services can only survive if they're owned by an Apple or an Amazon or a Google. Like photo services. Like photo management, right? And I hope we don't photo manage Spotify out of existence here, but Spotify is really the only independent music streaming service that matters, right? Like Tidal and these others are out there, but Spotify is the only big player. And RDO and all these others have gone away over the years. And I, I know Spotify knows that. They see that. I think that's why they're getting into podcasting to, to diversify their their revenue and their income. But they're in, a, they're in a tight spot. And fighting Apple on it is a super interesting way to deal with it. But I, I just – I feel like the sense I got on Twitter before I muted every keyword I could think of about this debate was – People see this as just about the App Store or just about Spotify not being accessible via Siri or just about this. And the reality is this is deeply complicated and it it goes to things that uh, feel above my pay grade. But at the heart of it, I think we can agree that Federico's question is best is, is that is what is good for Apple? Is that also good for consumers? And if your debate or your argument doesn't come back to that eventually, then I think you're sort of off in the wrong direction. You should buy our merch, connectedmerch.com. Dot com. Dot com. Or you can find links in our show notes. Uh, I'm sure that you will enjoy the merch. The t-shirt's very nice. The stickers will be very good. Remember, the t-shirt is going to be available for two weeks. Um, so you can buy it up until March 28th, but don't delay on it because if you delay on it, you might forget it and then you'll never get it and you'll be sad. The stickers are in limited supply. Um, if you buy them together, they'll ship together. If you want the stickers first, you can buy those first uh, and they'll ship immediately. But the stickers are in limited supply, so you've got to go get those. Uh, so that's the technology should be colorful stuff. And as Stephen said, we'll be giving away a portion of the proceeds um, to App Camp for Girls. So. Just go and check it out, and if you like it, you should buy it. And it's in a couple of colors, and I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Stephen, take us home. If you want to find links to the stuff we talked about this week, head over to relay.fm slash connected slash 234. While you're there, you can do a couple of things. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up, uh, or you can find links there to our handles over on Twitter. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of great shows here on Relay FM. If you want to hear more of Mike's beautiful voice, there's lots of opportunity to do that. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. I want to give one last plug, too, to your shortcuts uh, library that you published last week. It's I've already gone back to it a couple of times for things. (laughs) It's really fun to explore. Um, so be sure to look at that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. Until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Buy the merch. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>